series with an overtime win. Vancouver trying to stay alive. Send it back to Staples Tuesday night. Vancouver with it. Up to center ice. Hamus gets knocked down. Puck picked up by the Kings. 2-1-1. Stole. Shoots. He scores! The Kings have eliminated Vancouver. And the Kings are moving on to the semifinals of the Western Conference. Stole gets the game-winning goal in overtime. The Kings win it. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. In August of 2022, the LA Kings team from 2012 gathered to celebrate the 10th anniversary of their Stanley Cup victory. I was fortunate enough to be a part of a small group of people allowed to spend two days surrounded by the players, the coaches, and the executives responsible for that incredible moment in Kings history. In part one of this series, We focused on the season leading up to the 2012 Stanley Cup playoffs. Today, we focus on that memorable first-round victory over the Vancouver Canucks. They were the President's Trophy winner that year, so they were number one in the entire league. And when we beat them, I thought this gave the players the confidence that, hey, we can beat anybody. Let's just keep playing the way we're playing. And that just rolled on from there. And in every series, they, they had that 3 nothing lead. So I thought, in my opinion, the win over Vancouver in the first round was so significant to move them on to, to have those leads in rounds 2, 3, and, uh, and 4. The voice you just heard was Bob Miller, Hockey Hall of Famer and former play-by-play announcer for the LA Kings. The President's Trophy is awarded to the team with the best record in the regular season. Not only did the Vancouver Canucks enter the 2012 playoffs as a back-to-back winner of that trophy, not only had they reached the Stanley Cup Final the year before, but they were also responsible for eliminating the Kings from the playoffs in 2010, the first playoff appearance for the Kings since 2002. Drew Doughty, one last shot, the puck deflects out of play, but the game is over. And the Vancouver Canucks have had another third period comeback and eliminated the Los Angeles Kings. Vancouver's on to round two. Matt Green recalls the 2012 Vancouver Canucks. You know, we played them in the playoffs a couple years before that, and they fed us our lunch. They were a team that could kind of do it all, too. Where they, had some, they had some toughness, they had some grit, they played hard, and they also just had world-class skill. And so they could kind of beat you both ways. The number one seed was the President's Trophy winner, and a 2011 Stanley Cup finalist. The eight seed hadn't been out of the first round of the playoffs since 2001. The Kings weren't considered pushovers, but nobody predicted a first-round upset over the Vancouver Canucks. In the Western Conference, the non-playoff coaches I talked to seem to think that Vancouver is the team to beat and a very good bet to repeat as the Western rep in the Cup Final. Vancouver and Los Angeles. <laughs> Let's go Vancouver, L.A., Jamie. Uh, Vancouver in six. I, I think that they've got the depth. Vancouver five. Vancouver in six. Before game one against Vancouver, first series, first round, morning skate, after the skate, Daryl Sutter has the entire media contingent around him in a scrum. And after about two questions, because the media were just like, well, I'll give you Daryl's response after the third question. I don't know why we're here. We have no chance of winning. What The, the questions were all about the Canucks and they're going to do this. Again. And Daryl just kind of took it and said, well, I don't even know why the Kings are here. 
we knew it was going to be hard. We knew it was going to be a big test, but we had the guys to do it. I think if you look at our team, the two years before that, when we lost to him in six games, you know, the pieces that we added, we had, we had a big-time playoff performer. Back to Kopitar. Kopitar feeds it down the right side to Richards. He scores! Richards banked it off the goaltender, Luongo, and the Kings score with a two-man advantage to tie the game at one to the blue line to Willie Mitchell. Back on the right side to Martinez. Back to Mitchell. Mitchell shoots. He scores! Traffic in front. Stoll was in front of the goaltender. The Kings have taken the lead to Dick and taken by Richards in the slot. Richards goes to the left side. Richards by the Carter to Penner. He scores! Dustin Penner got it from Richards and the Kings take the lead with 3.14 to go. LA Kings director of amateur scouting, Mark Yannetti. This Kings team in terms of going into the thing as an ace seed was probably one of the phoniest ace seeds ever. I mean, I'm pretty sure our record from February 1st until the end of the year was the best record in the NHL. I'd have to check, but I, 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 if not, it was right up there. Um, so it wasn't like we were playing one week of good hockey. You know, we were playing two and a half, three months of high, high level, you know, if you use a cliche, we were playing playoff hockey from February on. Matt Green on the type of playoff performance the Kings needed from its veteran players. We got it right away in game one there with Rick. Uh, Laying out Burroughs in, the, in extra time there. I think they pulled the goalie and, uh, you know, we're taking the rush back. And then you get Mike Riches step up on, uh, on Alex Burroughs and cartwheel him. And it's thinking that that's, that's the type of player that you want, that you need to win those series and to set the tone. Kings have the lead. Three to two. Pass up on the right wing side. Oh. Hard check there at center ice. That was Richards with a check. Time is of the essence. Almost 30 seconds to go. Burroughs got caught and Richards took a run at him in the neutral zone. That's the type of player he is where everybody else is kind of retreating, thinking defense, and he's thinking, no, I'm going to step up and kill this guy. And uh, and that that's the attitude that we had. I think he led with that. Guys followed. And uh, that, was, that was a huge statement hit. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of the series. Former Kings forward and current Kings broadcaster, Jim Fox. I think Mike Richards had a huge impact on the team. The Browns and the Kopitars and the Dowdies and even Quickie, they hadn't won yet. And Mike hadn't won it all yet at the Stanley Cup level, but he won at every other level. I think he showed them the nastiness, the hatred that you need to beat the other team. And again, it's only first round, but Vancouver, you're in there. They're, they're president trophy winners. It's at most points in the regular season. And he, I think he showed the way. And it wasn't about goals and assists. It was about if a Canucks in our way, we're going through them. The Canucks may have been the favorite pick of the media, but their success and style of play had brought with it a certain notoriety. Former Kings forward Brad Richardson spoke about the Vancouver Canucks. We had that kind of a rivalry going against them. They're, yeah, we, they're definitely the most hated team by anyone in the league, that's for sure. You know, they had a lot of uh, kind of those ratty players that just kind of were always chirping and always in your face. And that's definitely the team that, like, we feel like they were obviously really good, but we kind of took them off their pedestal and they feel like they really didn't get back to where they were before that. I think our strategy was to go play our game. I think we knew we had a great team and we weren't, well, not like we were, we respected their team, but I think we thought we were a better team and if we just played our game, we could beat them. Former LA Kings forward, Colin Frazier. From the trade deadline on, we were, we were heating up. 
We were kind of on this wave on the way up. The league's so tight, you just got to make the playoffs. I mean, to sit there and say we were going to go up 3 nothing and, and potentially sweep them four straight, obviously winning in five, I would have said no. But we had this ball rolling since March. It wasn't like we just flipped this light switch on. So, I mean, if you don't believe, you probably don't win. Former Kings forward, current broadcaster, and member of the player development staff, Jarrett Stoll, on how former Kings captain Dustin Brown kept the ball rolling into the playoffs. For me, it was a big, it was, it was game one or two. He had, he had two goals. He had a shorthanded goal on the uh, breakaway. Shorthanded goals, game one or two in Vancouver. And that really, he led us through those first two games just to, for us to realize that we could beat them in their building by him leading the way, a captain. Nobody was touching him. Nobody was stopping him. Former LA Kings captain, number 23, Dustin Brown. Just remember that first game in their building in a Canadian city, President's Trophy. They had just fallen a game short of the Stanley Cup the year before. We didn't have anybody thinking we were going to win outside of that room. Remember that first game, we played like a really stingy game. And the one thing I always remember about game one is Mike Richards just buried Alex Burroughs in front of their bench. That was right in the beginning of the series that sent a message, I think, to everybody. If games one and two sent a message, then game three was a manifesto. Jonathan Quick stopped all 41 shots to lead the Kings to a 1-0 shutout win at Staples Center, and Dustin Brown made his presence felt all over the ice. The captain scored the game-winning goal in the third period, but his hit on Henrik Sedin in the second period might be the defining moment of the game, the series, and the entire playoff run. The check that he threw in that opening round against Henrik Sedin, and Sedin is down on the ice and he's, he's trying to, to get to the bench. He's right next to it, but he's groping to find like the door to open it. And I think he was out of it. And I mean, it was a thundering, thundering hit. And that's what I meant when I say Dustin led by example on the ice because uh, everybody remembers that devastating hit on Henrik Sedin. I think the team followed Mike Richards' lead I think they, they started to understand how nasty it can get and how nasty it has to be. And then you have the home game, Dustin Brown on Henrik Sedin. I mean, there's no question in my mind, non-scoring play, non-save, like by Jonathan Quick, that is vivid in my memory. I mean, he went through, I, I know they say in karate, when you go through the board, you punch through the board. Man, Dustin Brown hit through Henrik Sedin. And, and in all honesty, I mentioned it too before, I had a lot of respect for Henrik because he got up, he crawled up to, into the bench, but he got up. Henrik's down, Bob, but he's having a difficult time getting up. He was run over, and it was right at the bench. And now the Canucks go after Brown. And that should be a penalty against Vancouver, it's going to be. So if the Kings can maintain composure here, at least on the penalty box. In the one moment, it was funny, I was talking, we were at Brownie's house last night, a few of us, and just kind of catching up. And um, we were just talking about when he hit Henrik, um, that kind of had that feeling like, we got you. You know what I mean? I think that really deflated them. Their team too, seeing their, their kind of their leader laying on the ice and couldn't get off the ice, basically. And um, I think that was a moment for us where like, we got these guys. Current LA Kings captain, Andre Kopitar. Oh, I saw it happen. I saw it develop. I was on the other side of Henrik and knowing there's going to be some sort of 
a big hit coming, so I just wanted to make sure I was out of the way so Henrik didn't come crashing into me because I get the worst of that one. That hit, the word I comes to mind is Chris because I hit him. It was like a perfect timing. I've had hits where I like crush a guy, but like, God damn it, that hurt me a lot. That one, no. It was like I hit him, he went down, I didn't feel a thing. Got Copia's first career NHL fight, maybe his only career NHL fight. I'm like, this was a good day. It was one of those hits that just feels good instantly. Everybody, as you can imagine and expect, we're going after after Brownie, and I was in there and ended up fighting for the first and uh, only time, thanks to Brownie. I wouldn't call it much of a fight, too, but I got a five-minute major, and I'm, I'm taking it. <laughs> if the Kings' 3-0 lead was a shock to the Canucks and the rest of the hockey-watching world, it wasn't a surprise to the Kings' players. They had perfected their style of play over the weeks leading up to the playoffs, and were ready to face any opponent. Colin Frazier, Matt Green, and Jared Stoll. I think it's just the way we played, you know? We had a lot of big, heavy guys that like to play hard. I guess emotional-type players on their team that if, if you do get under their skin, they can get distracted. And winning, it's it's a lot easier to to stay focused when you're on the, the right side of the game and the right side of the score. And, um, you know, you could see they're getting frustrated a little bit. And... Uh, we just kept that ball rolling, just kept steamrolling along. It was kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, do we plan for it? No, but um, you just take it one game at a time, and it was just working in our favor. Going into that first series, I think we had a we had a really good team. I think guys were really excited. I think all year we felt that if uh, you know if we could get somebody to kind of score some goals and and uh, you know kind of put us over the top, we'd be dangerous. And uh, and we went out, and we got carts. And I think guys were really excited about that. And we played that grinding style, and I think we felt that, you know, during the regular season, a lot of guys could get, you know, they could eke out a game against us, but then you'd see them going to Anaheim or San Jose the next night, you know, and, you know, they could beat, you know, you, we knew we were getting other teams' A games. We knew we were wearing teams down and beating teams up, and uh, and we thought if we get a team in a seven-game series, we could do some damage. Um, and then that, that just kind of happened. I think it's it, when, when your best players are your best players, it makes winning a series a lot easier, and Quickie was dynamite. Uh, Kopi was unreal in that series, and then Brownie was Brownie's just a wrecking ball. And uh, and then you toss Rick in there, and you toss uh, you toss Carts in there, scoring big goals. And then it's uh, it's pretty cool. I think obviously going up there and, and sweeping and taking two and coming back home and winning the third one. You know, it's not a you know we got a really good chance to do something great here. And if we can get by them, it's uh, you know we can do some damage. No, we knew we could take that series for sure. Just the way that we were playing coming in. Um, we had to, you know, it's been well documented. We had to play pretty well to get into that eighth spot. We, I could be wrong, but we maybe needed to win 11, 12 out of 15, something like that to, to get in. We were playing our best hockey. We were healthy. Uh, that's, a, that's a huge thing right there, making sure that everybody was was in the lineup that uh, that needed to be in the lineup. And, and we were well coached. We knew Daryl. He was, he, was, he was never... He never got flustered. He was a great playoff coach, managed the bench really well, um, managed matchups really well. And yeah, we knew we had a team that could beat them. And then after game one and two, beating, winning those games in Vancouver, you know, that just kind of, you know, you get so much confidence game after game. And um, how we matched up against them was, uh, was obviously pretty, pretty good. And we felt that way. Justin Williams on the relentless approach the Kings took towards advancing in the 2012 Stanley Cup playoffs. I congratulate the 
the players clearly, but I congratulate the coaching staff too for not letting them get complacent, not letting us get comfortable. Um, you know, it's kind of the fact that you, you knock somebody down and just as they're about to get back up, you push them back down. You don't let them get all the way to their feet. And that's what we did. We won game one then we won game two. And then, you know, we won game three. And, and we just never let the team get back up to even terms with us. Down three to nothing to the eighth seeded Kings. Daniel Sedin returned to the Canucks lineup and Vancouver avoided an opening round sweep by taking game four in L.A. three to one. With the series returning to Vancouver for Game 5, the Canucks turned again to Corey Schneider in net. Schneider had stopped 62 of 64 shots while playing both games in Los Angeles after being named the starter in Game 3. Schneider and the Canucks entered the third period of Game 5 with a 1-0 lead. Former Kings forward, Brad Richardson. I had a good feeling. I mean, you know, obviously playing a team in their home rank and a team that's as you know, as good as Vancouver. I think, you know, we were down there. I think, yeah, we we're down one nothing going into the third, and I, I can't remember. I scored maybe a few minutes into that period, but I had a, I had a good feeling once we tied it, and then and then remember Stoli come down the wing and, and scoring. But uh, yeah, they definitely gave us some momentum to kind of close it out. Pass up to center ice, taken away by Doughty for the Kings. Doughty across the line in the middle. Doughty to the right side. Doughty in deep, throws it in front. Richardson, he scores, and the Kings have tied the game. With the game tied 1-1, and just a few minutes played in the overtime period, Vancouver defenseman Dan Hamhuse collected the puck behind the Canucks net, hounded by Trevor Lewis. Vancouver with it, up to center ice. Hamhuse gets knocked down, puck picked up by the Kings, 2-1-1, stole, shoots, he scores! The Kings have eliminated Vancouver, and the Kings are moving on to the semifinals of the Western Conference. Stoll gets the game-winning goal in overtime. Former Kings assistant general manager Mike Fuda and director of amateur scouting Mark Yanetti. Everybody knows that Stoley scored the goal, but Trevor Lewis turned it over. You get a guy, an unsung hero, that's known for his checking ability. When he got under the stick to make the turnover and... It's like you're pushing, you're putting, they always say, you know, this team, you need to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. But we were so battle-tested because we had to treat every game like a playoff game just to get in the playoffs. And here's Vancouver that had an asterisk beside them, you know, whether they were drinking umbrella drinks or whatever, but they weren't ready to go to battle with the way we were ready to go to battle. And for us to win that game in there, we were playing such battle-tested hockey and Daryl had everybody peaking at the right time that it felt like, this whole league's in for something after game one. It's like they're in for something. We had them. And when you've got like Quickie at the top of his game like that, it was like, the sky's the limit. Yeah, you called me because you would just, oh. I was still at the uh, world, I was still at the world under 18 yeah. and you had gone home for the first playoff game. And he did, he called me up. He goes, Yank, you got to get out of here. This is, uh, oh, he goes, he goes, no, he goes, no, something special is going to happen. You could just he told me right away. Some... It really didn't matter who it was because we knew we were just kind of sneaking in anyway. Um, but you have those previous playoff disappointments. Slowly, slowly, you keep giving yourself a chance year after year, and, and you go into the playoffs as, as one of 16. And, and the NHL is, is really a league where it can be anyone, and we obviously proved that. Um, but you know, as soon as you win one game and, and you know, get a feel for the series, you know that you can beat them, and, and that's, what it, that's what it did. You know, after we got up 3-0 against Vancouver, you think, well, if we can keep this up, there's no no telling what we're going to do. And then Stoli scores that goal, and you think, holy smokes, we, we got a we got a chance here. We, 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 can, we can make a run. 
and uh, you know, just car wheels. And you looked around the room though too, and nobody was. You know, I, I've been on other teams where you know, not not in the you know, not in the NHL, not just growing up where you know, teams are happy of they're happy where they are. You know, you win one series or you win a big game, and, and you think, okay, well that's it, pressure's off. Now it's good. We can you know, we did our job. And I think we were on the bus going out, going to the airport from Vancouver. Guys were happy, but nobody was. You know, there wasn't anybody saying, "Okay, well, that's great. You know, this is awesome." And that, now you're making off-season plans. No, it was okay. We're probably going to get St. Louis. Let's figure out what we're going to do. Let's start game planning for that, and, and, uh, and let's be ready to go. If you can use one word to describe the hit on Henrik Sedin, start with Jonathan, move right to left, what word would you use to describe that? Uh, impactful. <laughs> Is that good or no? That's good. <laughs> I have a funny one, I think. Wow. Um, I'd go kaboom. Kaboom. Oh. Um, I don't know if I have this word right, but like pulverizing, is that a word? Pulverizing. Wow, big word alert. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.